Lord bless you. Let's turn to the Word of God this morning. Matthew chapter 9. Matthew's Gospel chapter 9. And let's just begin reading from verse 35, please. Matthew 9, verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Let us pray. Eternal Father, we thank and praise you this morning that we can come in freedom and in liberty to worship you, to gather around the table to remind ourselves of the the great sacrifice of your Son, the Lord Jesus. We come in his name, through his blood, in his righteousness alone. We thank you, Father, for saving our souls. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for paying the price, the debt that we owed. We thank you, Lord, you have not left us alone, but you have given us of your Holy Spirit. And we pray this morning, Lord, now that he would move in our midst and touch our hearts, Speak to each and every one of us. We think again of Roy this morning. Draw close and near to him. Bless him. And we pray, Father, that when all is said and done, he will not be long till he's back out worshipping with the saints again in this place. Father, will you now settle us in our hearts and minds? Will you bind any opposing spirit and distracting thought to your word of God, to the word of God. And we pray, Father, that you would encourage your people and challenge us even. We love you. Lord Jesus, we love you. We worship you. There's none like you. Thank you for your anointing of your spirit this morning. For you have said it's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I've simply entitled this, Wanted Anointed Laborers to Reap a Harvest. Anointed Laborers to Reap a Harvest. In our reading of Matthew chapter 9. Verse 35 says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Will you turn with me to Acts chapter 10, please, just for one verse. 
Acts of the Apostles or the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles, chapter 10 and in verse 8. Peter is speaking, in fact, I think it's about verse 33 or 34, it says, and Peter opened his mouth. Time, Christian, to open your mouth for the glory of God. Verse 38 says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Notice, God anointed Jesus. He anointed him with the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good with that power, with what God had given him, with what his father had put in him. And he was healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Would you say oppressed? Oppressed. Would you say it oppressed? Oppressed. Uh, This word oppressed is a big word. And it's made up of two words, kata and dynastis. And kata means downward, to press something down as in a downward pressing motion. Something of an influence can press on, press down. And so the second word, dynastis, means, gives the idea of a great authority. And so God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. God anointed Jesus. Now, Jesus is God. We'll maybe explain a bit more in a moment. But he anointed Jesus, the man of Nazareth. That's why it's particular to this one person, the man Christ Jesus. He anointed him with the Holy Ghost and power, or the word power is dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamite from. And he went about doing good. Now take note of this, the difference between Jesus and the devil. Now we know there's a big difference, but I want you to see it. I want you to understand a bit more this morning before we go further. The term here, who went about doing good, it gives the idea where we would have our word philanthropy from, a philanthropist. And if you look up the word philanthropist, don't ask me to say it again. If you look that word up, which I did, it means and gives the idea of a person who seeks to promote the welfare of others by the giving of gifts. A person who seeks to promote the welfare of others to bestow or by the giving of of gifts. And hence when we read here that Jesus of Nazareth went about doing good, it means he sought out men and women to do them good, to empower them, to equip them, and to give them gifts. Now every one of you in here this morning, and whoever may be watching, every one of you who are saved by grace, who are Christ, you are a child of God, you have been endued with the Holy Spirit. You have a gift. 
Now, whatever your gift is may be different from the person in front of you, beside you, or behind you. But you have been given a gift. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter whether you're male or female. It matters not. You have been given a gift. The gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, what is the Holy Spirit? What does he do in a life? He anoints the man. He anoints the woman. But sometimes those who are looking for the gift to be enhanced in their life, have to be willing to sacrifice. To sacrifice their own wants and wills. Now, every one of us has been given a gift which is different, one from another. And whatever your gift is, and it may even be a gift with your hands, working, your hands laboring, The Lord said he needed laborers. So it's not always just always spiritual gifts, but laboring. Gifts to be able to do things that others can't. What is it that God has given you a speciality in? And the Lord says he was looking for laborers uh, to go to reap the harvest. Every one of them needed to be anointed. We're going to God willing look at it a little more in a minute. And if you want to serve God, then you're laboring. And you need to be anointed to do it. You need, to, you need to let the Lord work in you more and deeper, take you further than maybe you've even been taught or told before. Here's something I want you to see. Laboring isn't easy. Laboring isn't easy. I remember in 1999, I was over in Romania with a group of men from our church and we were building a beautiful, it was an orphanage, but we called it a children's home. Three stories high, massive big place. There was a group of Romanians working with us and I think there was 33 of us there and we were laboring away and the foundations had already been laid and they were dried. And Now, I went to labor the tradesmen went to work to do that. If you had said to me, it's like, you know, you could tell them, put two shovels against the wall and tell me to take my pick and I would be looking for it. I wouldn't know what one to take. So I labored. And remember one time, I'd done it as unto the Lord. And I was tired. We were up at five every morning, working the sun down at night. And I was tired. Sunday's off. And there sometimes I brought the word to the people on the Sunday morning or to the the laborers. And remember one day for all that I could do at that point in time, they saved everything. And I remember I was down on my knees and I had a nail and I had a hammer and they gave me a job of straightening out the nails. (laughs) Straightening out old bent nails. And I thought, Lord, what am I even doing? I mean, I'm straightening out, I'm straightening out bent nails in the middle of a village, in the middle of nowhere in Romania. What am I doing? And one day, and I didn't know this was going to happen, I'm down and I'm straightening a nail, and these two feet came and stood there. And I heard a voice saying, You all right, son? It was Pastor McConnell. I didn't even know he was coming over. And I looked up 
and I went, oh, Bishop, and I jumped up. Yes, Pastor, I, I, we're, we're doing a great. He says, come here, walk with me. And when you go walk with him, it was either he's going to tell you off <laughs> or he's going to ask you to do something. We walk through the village and he says to me, I want you to pray about this. I want you to come and run this home and build the church here. And I near fainted. Allison was at home and I phoned Allison and thinks he near fainted on the other end as well. A monotonous job, a simple thing like straightening a nail, and yet I didn't know that the Lord had at that place point in time for the pastor to come to visit Romania, to stand before me, to ask me to take on the job. Sometimes we look at it and think it's too demeaning. It's too little. Lord, why start with that small, small thing? This assembly started with one man behind a camera, Andrew, and me behind a desk, teaching, and then going out preaching. Brothers and sisters, laboring sometimes means doing the small things that God will reward you into other things, even bigger things. And it says here that the Lord went about doing good, that the Lord is actually wanting to bless you. But are you willing to labor? Are you willing to be faithful? Notice here, he was healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Oppressed of the devil. And the pressing down of an authority over the people was demonic. And you can see it all over our land and among our people and our families, in our cities and in our towns. There's a demonic oppression all over our land today. The devil has people bound and he uses authorities for it as well. It's not just all spiritual in the sense where it's a spirit on a person or people. He uses other authorities to put that upon the people. But the Lord came that he would heal all that were oppressed. The devil would oppress the heart and the devil would oppress the mind and the devil would oppress you. He wants to dominate your life. He wants to dominate your thinking. He wants to dominate your heart. He wants to dominate everything in your family. He doesn't want you doing well. He doesn't want you to be serving. He doesn't want you even to be the laborer. He wants to dominate you. He can dominate you in your work, in your business, He can dominate wherever it is. But when you submit yourself to God, you don't have to try and curse the devil nor even bind the devil. It just says resist him. You know why? Because the anointing, if you're saved, is in you. Is in you. John says the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. And you're a child of God, 
you're washed in the blood, you're sealed until the day of redemption with the Holy Spirit of promise. You belong to him, the Lord, and he still wants to bless you. Are you willing to labor for wanted, anointed laborers to reap a harvest? There's a harvest out there, and it starts in here with us. Notice here, if you will, this word, katodonastes, uh, or donasteo, depends what way you use it, uh, for oppressed is... It means to exercise harsh control or dominion. It means to use one's power against someone else. And the devil would come to oppress you, Christian. I've said it before, I'm going to say it again, and I, I say it without fear or favor. If you're a born again Christian, if you're a born again Christian, if you're saved, you cannot be possessed with another spirit. Now, they're, they're, this is growing where, oh, you're, you, can be, you, you can be possessed with another spirit. And what? You're, you're carrying the Holy Spirit in you? What? God the Holy Ghost lives in a duplex? What, is it one up, one down? Or what way does it work? You can be oppressed. And you can even act like the devil at times. You can't be possessed by him if you're saved, if you're Christ. It's time you remembered this because men in different places for a long time now, but especially recently, is growing. I believe it's the spirit of the age. He's telling Christians, of a, a man came, I went to see a man years ago when this was first all starting to build up again, this whole thing. And this man says, what do you think, Ken? He says, we're doing this work, and I said, well, this is fantastic. And, and he says, I well, had a meeting here, and there's a man over from America, and he brought a towel over his shoulder and a basin. He got the Christians as he prayed for him to spit into the basin. And he says, that's the, the demon spirits coming out of him. And I turned to him, and I, I said to him, you need to repent of that and kick that man out. Brothers and sisters, it's Christ in you as the hope of glory. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world and in you than is in the world. And here's another thing. If greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, how can it be greater is he that is in you and he that is in you too? Or whoever else is in you? Notice here, it means to exercise or use one's power against another. I looked up dictionary.com just simply for oppressed, and it says to be burdened with cruel or unjust impositions or restraints, to be subjected to a burdensome or a harsh exercise of authority uh, or power. And hence, the Lord Jesus was anointed. He was anointed with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good. A philanthropist, got it. A philanthropist. He, in other words, he came to do his Father's will. He came not only to save and to redeem, but he came that you would be blessed by him with abundance of life. 
In Isaiah 10 and verse 27, the prophet says, and they're speaking of Assyria who had come to take away the northern kingdom of Israel, but, and the warning goes on to the southern kingdom of Judah. But Isaiah 10 and verse 27 says, And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden, that would be the Assyrian, his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Would you say destroyed? His yoke shall be destroyed. The enemy's yoke will be destroyed. Why? Because we're so wonderful or because there's so many that gather together. Because the tent is full. No. Because of the anointing. Now I want you to look at this for a moment. This word anointing in the Hebrew text. It's the word shemen. It actually comes and it's linked with the, the Aramaic, not Arabic now, the Aramaic. And where Jesus died, well, or pardon me, was arrested in Gethsemane, it's Geth Shemen for the oil. Geth Shemene is the God's olive, uh, was the olive press for the, from the olive trees for the oil for the temple where they crushed them. And so the word Shemen means anointing. It can mean to smear, to pour on. But listen. It gives the idea of a fat bull that casts off and breaks the yoke from off its neck. Put a yoke over the bull's neck and the bull is getting stronger and stronger and he just casts it off. It's the idea of this. That the anointing, the Spirit of God, the power and the presence of God will enable you, Christian, you've been under attack. You've been under slander. You've been under whatever it may be, hard time. God willing, going to look at a couple of these things in a few moments. It gives the Christian, the anointing gives the, the Christian to see that yoke destroyed. Like the bull, you grow stronger till it's off you. You're strong again. You're built up in the faith. And yet, Treat things differently. You see it differently. You act differently in it. There's things that used to drive me mad and make me depressed, really, uh, when I was in the first earlier days of pastoring, which now I just take it with a pinch of salt. It's it just I know how to deal with it and how not to deal with it and what to ignore and what not to ignore. It enables you. It gives you to be able to to enhance in what he's given you, the gift and the talent that he's given you. Every single one of us has something. The word here in Matthew 10 and 38, how God anointed Jesus. The word anointed is the word creo. And it means to consecrate with necessary powers for the administration. Notice, to consecrate with the necessary powers for the administration or for 
It's the anointing's administration. So God gives you his spirit. And God has given you then an anointing. And God has given you an administration in the kingdom. In other words, he's given you a task. He's given you a laborer's place. And he needs you. Pardon me, he doesn't need us to do anything. He wants you. Your place is to do as God says under that anointing. Some years back, I decided I wasn't going to preach anymore. I had uh, uh, booked uh, dates over in London to speak and across Scotland and different places. A man came and asked me to go and speak across Scandinavia. And I said, no. I stopped preaching altogether. And I stopped for about nine or ten months. And I got to the place where Allison says to me, Ken, would you please just start preaching again because you're a nightmare. (laughs) Wasn't happy. I was terrible. I, I was moody. You know why? Because that which God had placed me to do, that which God had given me to do, I stopped doing it. It could be the children that are all down there learning now with the leaders. The crash down there. It could be at the door, the deacon. It could be the pastor, the elders. It could be you where you are. What do you do? Do it all to the best of your ability for the Lord. And don't give up. It's a matter whether you're, you can find yourself that you're maybe, I don't know, challenged and slandered and listen doesn't matter I'm going to show you that in a moment before we close listen to the yoke that we should have Matthew 11 verse 28 to 30 the Lord Jesus said these words Matthew 11 verse 28 come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Maybe you got the devil's yoke of oppression on you. He says, no, the anointing destroys that. Now put my yoke on you. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Listen to what John says in John 3 and verse 34. For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. Speaking of the Lord Jesus. See the word measure, it's the word metron. Metron. It's where we get our word meter from. The measurement of a meter, two meters, and so on. And it gives the idea of a limited portion or an instrument of measuring. And what John is saying, you cannot measure God and you cannot measure the Spirit. That is the Holy Spirit who God is. 
He's immeasurable. And so God had not given Jesus the spirit without measure. And the word how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, the idea there is the word anointing, creo, it gives the idea that you're anointed for that administration, but it also gives the idea that Christ will give the anointing forth. It means a gifting Christ gives. It's the idea of this. That through Christ and in Christ he gives the gifts to men. So he giveth not the spirit without measure to him. So there's enough for every one of us. It's a river that will never run dry. There's an abundance and you'll never wear out God. You can never drink deep enough nor swim out far enough. Notice here. Not only had Christ received the the anointing of the Spirit without measure, but God gives the Spirit through him to us. In John 20 and verse 22, the Lord Jesus comes to fearful, yoke-laden, burden-carrying disciples who were hiding for fear of the Jews in the upper room. And the risen Savior of the Lord says to them in verse 19, Peace be unto you. In verse 21, it says, Then said Jesus unto them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me. Notice, even so send I you. As I have come under my Father's will to carry out my Father's word, and I am anointed of the Spirit, so I'm sending you. And in verse 22, when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Now I see the word peace beyond you. It's the word irene, and it's the Greek version of the Hebrew word shalom. And it's not just having peace. You know, we would say, give him a head peace. It means a peace of heart, a peace of mind. Fullness of health, to be strong, not yoke-laden of the devil, knowing who you are in Christ, a child of God, we're kings and priests unto God. This is the idea that Jesus is saying here. It's not, well, we'll come to church and we've been saved and, and a wee meeting and you know what, we're, we'll just get on with it until maybe next week we'll turn up. It's living a lifestyle before God, walking before God. Living before God, conscious of your identity in the Lord. So in Acts chapter 2, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and the fearful became fearless, and the burden became emboldened. You see, the Lord Jesus, he breaks the power of cancelled sin. And he sets the prisoner free. He is the saviour of the soul. He is the healer of the body. He is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. And he is the soon coming king. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. So in Matthew 9 verse 35. The Lord is looking for anointed laborers.
to reap a harvest. I'm not saying you've all to go out and start doing openers in the street or you have to run around, wrapping every door in your neighborhood. Where you are is where God has placed you. Where you are is where God has placed you. Notice here, in verse 34, if you'll go, let, let your eye run back just. It says, but the Pharisees said, he casteth out devils through the prince of devils. Now, this is important as we run this in. I want you to get this. They, the Pharisees, the religious establishment of the Lord's day, they came to him with destructive destructive criticism. Now there's constructive criticism and it depends who gives it. Either way. Because there are people who think they'll just come and tell you what they think for the sake of telling you because it makes them feel better and they've got it off their chest and it's destructive. Constructive is when they try to build you up And again, be careful how you hear and from whom you take it. So look, let's look at this about destructive criticism. They were very destructive to the Lord, criticizing him, saying that he was casting out devils by Beelzebub. So this is uh, uh, three quick points I've made up. I wrote down, I thought about it, and I thought about even my, my own life in ministry, not only as a Christian, but in ministry, and hopefully it will help someone this morning. First of all, to do with this destructive criticism now, first of all, don't allow yourself to be drawn into controlling mind games. For example, they praise you, laud you, they butter you up, and when they get in on you, They tear you up and demean you. And when they have finished, they come back again to butter you up again. And it happens over and over and over again. Someone recently Online, tell me how wonderful I was. If they walked by me in the street, I wouldn't know them. Tell me how wonderful I was. And then they started to private message me and tell me how terrible I was. And then the next week, they told me how wonderful I was. How brilliant I was. And I was going, here we go again. And then they come back, another wee message later, and a whole ream picked out all my faults. Week after week. And in the end, I just said, listen, I'm not going to play your mind games. You're out of here. And I blocked them from all communication. People do that in your life. And if you're starting to set out, but it's the anointing in you to know this is what I'm doing. This is where the Lord has placed me. This is what the Lord is doing in me. 
So they'll come back and do it again. It is mind games. It is spiritual abuse. And it is a controlling spirit. Because by this, back and forward, they're controlling you. They're giving you, look, see how great you are. And look, and it's in all of us. Thanks very much. Isn't that, you know, isn't that, we all like to be encouraged. But, and the more we're encouraged, the more our head swells. As my old dad used to say, lend your cat to get a stone of spuds. And then they tear you down. You're down like that. Well, where'd that come from? And then they build you up, and then they tear you down. And then they build you up, and they tear you down. Destructive criticism. It can happen in a marriage. It can happen anywhere in your work. Secondly and quickly, being unfairly and badly criticized by someone may start with them saying, the buzzwords. I don't mean to sound like I'm critical or I'm criticizing. Or they might say, I only say this out of love, but. Now, some people do come out of love to say things, but let me deal with that in a moment. Those people who say, I don't mean to sound like this or that, or I only say this out of love, many of them don't even know you. Some of them have never even taken the time to get to know you or have had a conversation with you, spoken personally to you. They judge you on maybe one thing, even one season or one feeling. And they latch on to it and they hang on to it. And they love it. I've got them. And so just to make you feel like you're under their cosh, their oppression, they let you know they know. They let you know they know. I'm only saying this because I love you. Say, what? You don't even know me. You've never spoken to me before. And you're going to tell me you love me and you're going to try and correct me? Zig Ziglar. Who's ever heard of Zig Ziglar? Few. He was a Baptist apologist, motivational speaker of a Baptist apologist. Listen to what he said. Listen to this. This is brilliant. Don't be distracted by criticism. Remember, the only taste of success some people have is when they take a bite out of you. And people will come to take a bite out of you. Try it with the Lord. He casts out devils by the prince of devils or by Beelzebub. Brothers and sisters, the anointing of God on and in your life may cast out devils, but it won't stop them using mouths of others to negatively, destructively criticize you. In fact, the anointing and the visually going on with God, people seeing God's hand in your life, it only stirs up their demons. So expect it. Expect it. Ignore them. Let them bite away and keep on track serving the Lord. Thirdly and lastly of this, most unfair, destructive, negative criticism 
comes from those who are only reflecting their own shortcomings onto you. Onto you. See, when someone comes and they are tearing you down all the time, and they're giving it to you all the time, you know what it is? It's their heart. They're reflecting themselves onto you. It's their guilt or their shortcomings. And they're placing it from themselves to someone else. Listen. For you who serve the Lord wherever, whether it's this assembly or anywhere else, maybe online or watching. Listen. I was thinking about this and this is what I wrote. The worst critics are usually those who are doing the least service. I don't like how they do that. I don't like how they play or how they sing. I don't like how they lead. I don't like how they do whatever about the place. Then you do it. You do it. I don't like how they sing. Well, hand you the mic. Don't like how they play. Well, hand you the instrument. Don't like how he preaches. I'll hand you the pulpit. I'll take three months off and see how you get on. That's your biggest critics are those who do nothing. So if you're serving the Lord, don't you worry about the critic. That's destructive. That is destructive. They are jealous of what God has placed on you, but they don't see Now, I want you to get this. They are jealous of what God has placed on you and what God is doing in you and with you, but they do not see the sacrifices that you have made to be there. Everything is about sacrifice. A man came to me I think it was during the week. No, it wasn't. It was preached during the week. Maybe it was last week. Anyway. And he said to me, you know what? I actually didn't realize all the things that are happening on a Sunday morning just before you get started. And everybody, he says, like there was yourself and the deacons and the elder running around. And the, he says, you're all running around and you're so busy trying to get everything prepared and ready. The musicians going. He says, I usually just weigh in and it happens. He says, yeah, because you just weigh in and it happens. No, but you know, and this is what happens. I says, well, it is. It's busy. All the time. Busy during the week. There's meeting, uh, you know, whether it's the golden years, whether it's the, uh, it's the little ones, whether it's the youth on Friday night there and the, the CT kids on Friday night and then the, the youth of the village they had. There's going to be the youth tonight down down in the, the building in Guildford and, you know, and we could go on and on and on. It's all of these meetings. It's all organization, but it's those who are in service and God is using it. And usually it's those outside who are going, well, why can I not do it like this or have it like that? Get involved. So here's what I'm saying. This is the point I'm making in this. They come to the Lord Jesus in verse 34 
says he casts out devils through the prince of devils. Didn't stop him, did it? It didn't hinder him. It says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, and they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Christ seen the critic, but he was anointed to do good. He was there to break yokes of bondage. He was there to minister. He was there to lift up the people. He was there to get them in place. Brothers and sisters, whatever happens, wanted anointed laborers to reap a harvest. So what part of the service of the Lord will you take up the gauntlet in? And maybe in your workplace, wherever it is, and someone comes against you and they're all full of criticism. The critic's behind you. Put it behind you. Maybe you're trying to get your life together, your life in order, and the critics are all snapping at you. Listen, put it behind you. Maybe you've sinned and you've failed. Get it under the blood and put it behind you. Move on in God. Move on. So I'll say this and that's me closed. It says the Lord Jesus was going to reach the lost sheep. Verse 36, were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. The actual words, I haven't time to go into this, but the actual words give the idea of a corpse which is fled and mangled. Someone who's been plundered by rapacious men and treated without pity. And listen, maybe you feel like that. You have come through such a horrible, terrible time. And maybe you have fallen and men have forgotten the grace of God. Treated you harshly. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know, maybe you feel fled and mangled. Christ wants you to do well. For it's for this he went about doing good. He wants to break the oppression from off you. He wants to break that oppression from off you. By the way, when he went to save, he saw his lost sheep. As he saw his lost sheep, he came. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were fled and we were mangled by the world and its sin and its vices. And the yoke of the devil was on us. But he came and he destroyed it off us. He went all the way to Calvary and he shed his blood and died and he rose again the third day 
We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. May God bless you this morning and bless his word to all of our hearts. Thank you for your attendance and your attention.